This episode for the Level Up Experience was a previously recorded LinkedIn live stream. The guest today is Steffi Bao. She's a director and founder of Init Esports, and their plan is to bring the motorcycle world into the esports ecosystem. She's a former three-time women's motocross world champion and sees incredible possibilities that esports can bring to traditional sports spheres in this current environment. We discuss her career in motocross, women in esports, and we answer live questions throughout the live stream. Thank you for all the support. Hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. So to start out, I'm going to give you the floor, Steffi, tell you about yourself a little bit, catch everybody up to speed, and would love to go through a lot of comments and questions as we go through. Yeah, so I'm a former professional racer. I am originally from Italy. I came in the United States when I was 21 years old to race professional with the women and with the men. And I had an incredible good career. I won three world titles and I participate in the supercross and motocross with the men. And uh, yeah, you know, my passion is two wheel racing. And um, in the business side about, you know, I've done a few things, you know, like in the, in the motorsport industry, but about a year ago, I came together with um, two partners. And one is my sister that is in Italy, um, Daniela, and then uh, Claire that she is in the UK. So we have three female founders, and we decide to open an esport agency with the focus of uh, uh, creating uh, um, tournaments for two-wheel racing and uh, to develop uh, women and gamers to become prominent into sim racing. Very cool. Thank you for that introduction. Um, so again, jump into chat. Let us know your all's questions and comments because I think there's a lot of really cool topics that we're going to be able to go through. Um, but, but real quick, tell a little bit about uh, a little more deeper on your career uh, in motocross and kind of enlighten me a little bit. <laughs> enlighten me a little bit because I'm not a motocross racer. Right. Um, the extent of me racing is like in the backyard when I was like nine and I like crashed. <laughs> that was in the backyard. Well, I started very young. I started four years old. So this little girl in Italy and uh, with the, the passion of uh, motorcycling, of course, come from the family. My mom and dad, they were a fan of the sport. Um, they never raced or competed, but they were going and watch the world championship round when it was coming to Italy since I was born pretty much and I developed you know this passion you know we were watching in TV magazine in the house and then at six years old I told my mom and dad one day I will become a professional motocross rider in the United States of America at six so of course you know like they like see whatever they were kiddo you know just go out and have fun but you know, it was embedded in me, I guess, and uh, I I was able, you know, to, uh, to do it. You know, I had a lot of success in Italy and then in Europe, you know, like so climbing the, the ladder. And then um, it was the time to come to the U.S. And in the year 2000, I became a, um, the only woman up until pretty much now still, you know, to ride um, in, in a round, a three round actually I did of the Supercross series with the men. So for me, it's always been, you know, like... Um, I believe I'm a person, of course, believes in herself. And, uh, you know, like I want to show that the women have a space, you know, even if it is a well-dominated sport. And uh, I just plugged along and put my best self out there and got success. So, you know, I'm happy to be inspirational to others, you know, so they can follow the footstep. That's an awesome story. It's very, it's very, <laughs> it's very inspirational. Um, and going against the grain, 
when maybe people so talk a little bit about uh, being in a, a male dominated sport for so long and maybe people overlooking you and things like that. And then kind of how you had to, you know, what you did internally to kind of push through all that. Yeah, it was actually fairly fun because, uh, you know, of course, at first it's kind of like uh, from the industry was like something weird because it's like, what? You want to race a professional with a man? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, like if I'm as fast enough, why not? <laughs> you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, right. mm -hmm. you know, and then because I was the only one doing it at that level, you know, it turned very quickly into a mutual respect. So it was very nice for me to be able to, to compete. Although, you know, at some point it was like, like, oh, that's just Steffi. Of course, she does this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. But you know, it, it it was super fun. You know, like I was accepted by the community. Actually, I in the year two thousand, I was actually even featured in uh, two video games. And uh, it's funny because now it's coming full circle. They are working in the which, which one? Which ones? Which ones? One was called a Supercross two thousand from EA Sport. And the second one was a freak style, still from eSport. The freak style one was actually a very big hit in Blockbuster back in the days when we had Blockbuster. So <laughs> I, remember, I remember somebody. I remember. I remember. <laughs> but it was it was fun, you know. Like and uh, yeah, I like I said, you know, it was sometimes it was tough, you know. Like, uh, but it, when you know I would start to compete and I was holding my my game, you know, in in the professional world, you know, I was just another rider on the. On, on the gate and uh, I work very hard to keep um, empowering women you know put nails in that coffin and show you know the world that it can be done um, it takes a lot you know like it's not easy for sure but um, I think you know one of the best things that I've learned after my career is uh, the fact that I can be of support of other women because that's something that I didn't have from women in, in my world when I was growing up and I see a big difference. And now with the technology to be all connected in the world, it's it's a very good position for me to be in because I love to help others. And uh, for girls, because you see that they have uh, somebody that's done it before, that they can come and ask any question they want. So it's 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 happy. It's a happy place to be. <laughs> right. I think it's really interesting, too, you're able to take that experience and apply it to esports and gaming. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I'd like to kind of get your high-level thoughts on that, what your experience has been, obviously, within eSports the last year, and kind of just give us a feel for how that's been for you guys. Yeah, so about a year ago, I decided to come together, like I said, you know, like with two founders, and uh, we are a women a team. And uh, my background, again, is in motocross and supercross so off-road racing. Uh, my sister, she is into... Um, uh, MotoGP world and Claire she's for Formula One so the three of us you know like we've been in a male dominated industry so we decide hey let's get together and, and put the forces together and try to make something good so we create an e-sport and uh, with the focus like I said to develop tournaments into the um, off-road part of um, the sport and also helping girls and we think that with the background that we have we definitely can be a great resource you know like for women that they wanted to become professional gamers how have you all been able to do that how do you how have you kind of created a bridge for that gap uh to help women in gaming and esports and getting the education out there i guess some, some examples yeah, well, it's a work in progress, of course, because mm -hmm. we are young, you know, like the company mm -hmm. started only a year ago. But the, the idea right now is that we will probably um, roll out a, a video 
for engaging in a call to action to kind of like show the three of us coming from male dominated sports but at the same time like show that there is a seat you know in the esport for another female you know so like i give a message in inclusivity you know so if somebody's out there and want to learn i want to i want to know how to do this you know they can just clearly reach out to us through the website through social media you know and and you know and any means you know of a way to connect you know like we are here to listen so the point is that you know also we created a partnership with twitch so some fun stuff are going to start roll out in that way because you know we have learned that the gaming is also a very male dominated industry so you know we have had some information where women are almost a sometimes even hiding behind the screen you know like if they are playing games and we want to change that you know like we want to for people you know to be themselves and be able to be part of the community because we feel that there is a room for everybody why do you feel that they need to hide i i don't have experience with that precisely mm -hmm. i have mm -hmm. heard from gamers like male gamers that a lot of time when they play you know in tournaments you know like it felt like that, that to get the woman to be out there it takes much longer than a guy to say hey look at me you know i'm a good gamer we're definitely making some studies and and collect information to figure out why that um if i can relate it to my sport it's probably because when you go into an industry that is male dominated sometimes if you are not super strong personality you know you can get beat down so you know it's much easier to hide than be out there with the face so maybe there is something like that that goes on so we're just trying to learn as much as we can and show that uh, hey even though we have not done it in gaming yet we have done it in sports um it can be done so you know we want to be on support of this movement you know for females out there I had uh, Ariel Powers on two weeks ago from the WNBA. You, uh -huh. may, you may have seen it, and uh, it was it was fun. Uh, and she told me, you know, stories of uh, playing NBA two K against yeah. against guys, you know. Yeah. And when they find out, you know, that, that they, they played, they were playing, uh, you know, female gamer, you know, they, it's like, look, she, and she's like, I crushed you. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I, I, I want to come out here and destroy you. It doesn't yeah. matter, and I love it because it doesn't matter who you are, male, female. It's skill set. Yes, and, and I and I also come from the wrestling world, uh -huh. and, and I've coached I've coached females, and it's it, it, if you do wrestle offs, see who's going to wrestle. It doesn't yeah. matter who it is. Yeah. It's, if you're in the weight class and you win the wrestle off, you wrestle. Yep, like the end of the story. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's it, it hit home hit, hits home for me as well to talk right. to you guys, hear your all stories with mm -hmm. this because it doesn't matter. It, I mean, exactly. it's it's all about skill sets and results. And mm -hmm. Ariel was just cracking me up. I just like, you know, she's, she's just like, you know, the silent killer out there trying to go out there and, you know, just win all the time, you know, and compete. And, and it's just, the other thing is, and the, and the numbers are interesting because, you know, we look at gaming, so not mm -hmm. esports, but gaming, gaming is split down the middle. Yes. It's like, it's 52, 48, roughly mm -hmm. something like that, male, female demographics. And when yeah. some people, some people hear that, they're like, what? They're like, it is, you know, and, and again, gaming and esports, that's a delineation. Yes. Now, now, esports did, did a little digging a little bit. Um, I don't have the source. I should have the source of this. But that's what, what they're saying now, women comprise about 30% of esports viewership. Mm -hmm. And it's around the uh, for esport gamers, um, aspiring, those that are aspiring within esports, about 35%. Mm -hmm. and, those, and obviously, they, it's exploded the last two years. Yes. It's mm -hmm. 
in, in incredible growth. So talk a little bit about that, uh, I guess, over the last couple of years and then what you see in the future as this shift starts happening. Yeah, well, I think that because of e-sport is becoming more and more popular, I guess uh, in a way is a silver lining of this pandemic, <laughs> you know, in a mm -hmm. way. So, you know, like uh, there is uh, more and more people to try to pay attention to that. So I feel like uh, that uh, women, you know, that they are playing or they are watching, now they feel like, wait a second, I can be part of this. So, you know, like if I wanted to um, see the popularity of um this uh, ecosystem they might feel a little bit more inclined to say hey you know like uh, we wanted to have a, a, a part and a position in this and it's changing like you said you know like uh, not only from the gaming side we have learned that uh, businesses too like such as our business there are more and more women that are trying to get involved into esport on the business side and i think it's great because um, like in everything we can have a different perspective and different point of views as a male and a female but if we can all work together i think we can create a better product for everyone so it's very interesting i think it's going to continue to grow is uh, we you know women that they, they are a former athlete that they are playing games you know so they can be out there and show you know the little girl that is at home playing the game and say hey i can be like her you know and it's just gonna keep growing and uh, the hope is like uh, that it's gonna get to a point that uh, it's gonna be really 50 50 even in the esport world right that that lag in that number is but it's, it's growing fast so you yep. said you know and I, most may not even know that that 30 percent of esports viewership are roughly there at is, mm -hmm. is, is female. So it, it, it is interesting. And the numbers are really stratospheric uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to, to kind of uh, them jumping in and just understanding it. Uh, and also, again, uh, having those role models, like you said, yes. seeing mm -hmm. and say, Oh, I can do that. And that that's, that's really uh, with anything. Um, th there was a really good quote I want to throw out here um, from Daniel Cohn. She's the executive director of the tech accelerator program, at lift labs at Comcast. But she says that, you can be any gender, any height, any background, and you can participate in esports. If you want to build games, play games, promote games, this is a business. You can have a job in it. You can have a great job in it, and you can have a lot of fun along the way. So what, what, what kind of resonates with you with that? Because I love that quote. Well, I think it actually resonates a lot because of the sport side of things. Like, so we are coming into gaming from the sport perspective. So, you know, like being very much involved in, in, in motorcycle racing and deciding, you know, to try to put effort into develop, you know, tournament from the motorcycle for the motorcycle uh, world is kind of like creating this bridge. And now you have people that are at home that they can play a game. So the entry um, barrier to the sport sport itself, it becomes non-existent because, you know, to be able to race a motorcycle or have a motorcycle to enjoy, like it costs a lot of money just to buy the motorcycle, right? right. So now by utilizing the gaming, so people can get uh, um, familiar with the sport and maybe one day become so passionate about the sport through the gaming side that maybe, you know, we can do the step and bring that consumer into the, the sport world as a user. So that's how we are looking at it, you know, and I think a lot of uh, um, sports entities are starting to realize that that's a very good way to create a new demographic and bring in this big gaming uh, population into sports, mm -hmm. but taking it from the game and growing from that side up. Are you seeing that in motocross starting to happen, that crossover? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, they we're just starting. We don't have an e-sport uh, um, championship yet because the games are still not completely e-sport ready. So we are evaluating like a different option to how to start to engage in on a broadcasting way, um, a user at home. But the games are very popular, you know, in the motorcycle community. So, you know, the goal is to build this uh, structure where, you know, people are going to be entering the space you know by uh, using a video game become uh, acquainted with how the races happen and therefore you know like uh, turning them maybe with levels or or engagement or activation you know into possible riders and it makes total sense like motorcycle racing as a whole you know it's a sport that is hard to get into unless you have a parent that is super passionate about it it's not as easy as you know playing soccer that you just have to buy a ball and have a field in play it takes a little bit more so you know like be able to utilize a platform like uh, eSport or gaming as, uh, in general, it becomes a new way to try to move people that way. And the other way around, because, uh, you know, now races are not happening. So they racer are at home. They cannot go, uh, go anywhere. So we are seeing an increase of, um, of user onto the motorcycle games just because they are at home. So they cannot do the real think by riding a motorcycle so they are at home and they play the game so they get their kick that way so it kind of works both ways i had a jesse Luigi on a couple weeks ago nascar driver they got his mm -hmm. start in iRacing. <laughs> and, yes. and he and he was he was in the navy and, and said that when he when he wrote it down on a piece of paper it said i'm going to drive i'm going to be a professional yeah. professional nascar driver he wrote it down and then he started on iRacing. And then he learned so much, he said, through the iRacing process uh, to give him that access to him that he otherwise wouldn't have. You know, yes. most, people, most people don't have a million dollars sitting around to, exactly. put to, to put a team together and all that and that whole process. So iRacing, for example, is, is, is such low barrier to entry. I mean, I, yeah. can go, I can make an account right now and mm -hmm. start racing today. So what, what does that look like for motocross? Well, it's a little bit different because right. with the uh, car racing and sim racing, you have the simulator. So, right. you know, like the feeling of riding the car is very similar. So much so that, like you said, there are people that are starting to come from the gaming world and real team are looking at them and say, hey, you can be actually somebody that we want on our team. So to put it in the real car. So they jump, it's, it's possible and it's being proven that it's possible. In motorcycle racing, we are not quite there yet because... Um, simulating you know like the feeling of a jump or you know a rough track you know there 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 is no simulator that can give you that feeling so it's not quite there yet but you know like uh, maybe with time there is going to be development to, to create simulation uh to that the, to that level but you know i look at more also in in a different way it's like uh, maybe an opportunity for older and retired racer they have done the sport now you know they can maybe or for an injury or because they just retire and they are not at the top level anymore they can come back you know like and play the game and have a sort of a same kick because remember in the game there are the similar track where you compete when you you are a real racer so you know like you still have to um you know the lines in the track you know how to hit the jump so you don't have the physical feeling but you have the muscle memory when you used to do it so you know like it's a good um, uh, opportunity to put people that they are out of the sport because they grow out of it you know to bring them back in you know through through a video game
What, and also, what about coaching? Coming back and being co a coach? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's something that it's already very, very well present into the industry. You know, it's common that uh, former racers become coaches on different levels. You can be a, a straight on coach on the racetrack. So help others, you know, like grow their skill on the track, but also like mental coach or like uh, mentors, you know, like uh, overall i like to do that often you know like a mentor especially young girls so that they come from backgrounds so that they say oh i will never be able to ride and then you know they try and you see the talent and you know i i try to help these people so yeah and through the gaming is also something that can be activated you know like a coaching like the, what i was saying early you know like to try to bring people from the the gaming industry into the sport the coaching can be one of them so with within esports, is there a, a mental performance aspect of it? Is there a, a performance aspect of it? Like, hey, we have this ecosystem that we're building each other up that that you're kind of giving that access. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because we have done it, you know, like I have I was a professional racer, you know, and uh, my sister and Claire, they are, you know, in MotoGP and Formula One. So they are around, you know, this male dominated industry. So it's important to, to be able to give uh, people they approach us and they want to be part of our team or they are just interested in participating in the games, you know, get that kind of support. Absolutely. We are here for that. And it just seems like to me a little bit of a shift, but um, the, the racing scene has just, I mean, they've taken off with, with esports, and, and they, they just, they activated like this. And, and I had, yeah. uh, had Jamie McLaurin on um, from Veloce esports. Yes. Uh, yeah. From, you know, obviously Veloce is doing amazing, amazing work. Yeah, Veloce is actually one of our partners, is a technical partner for us to activate um, the two-wheel um, off-road um, opportunities, yes. So, so, yeah, pulling into the ecosystem, so that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. uh, because and now they've, they've been around since 2017, I believe. Um, yeah. And But just, just talking about how, you know, the physical event, it got it went to zero overnight and then basically yeah. in three three days they put together the, the not the Oz GP. So yes. I, mean, I, I know I've mentioned it a few times, but it was just phenomenal how they how they executed. Absolutely. Now, you know, now there was some lag and things, the game yeah. lag and stuff you like know. that. But but you know, but it's that is what it is. And mm -hmm. they they went out and did that. And 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 now and my, the reason I'm bringing that up is you know there's other sports, there's other leagues that that lag back on this and they they just they they kind of disregard it. Like well, we don't really you know they don't have the infrastructure. But right. My, my my point was the, the racing space at Formula One had the infrastructure ready, and mm -hmm. they just snapped their fingers and they're ready to go. Yeah, it gets actually a little bit more complicated than that. That's the result that you see out there. Sure, I know. Right. Underneath, it's it's there is a lot of politics involved, you know, like in everything. So, sure. I think the the biggest hurdle is that. Um, um, when you talk about, you know, motorsport, but also, you know, any sport in general, there are promoters that they do the real sports and the promoter themselves, sometimes they don't understand this ecosystem. So they don't understand that, you know, like how uh, a, a video game can create so much attention, you know, when, you know, they live and breathe like the real sport per se. So, you know, like there is a lot of things behind the scene that needs to be you know, put it on the table and educate 
mostly, you know, from the gaming industry, you know, and in a sport point of view, educate the promoter of the real sport or the sports league, how this is all going to work. And this is the where I see that there are some people that jump in and they do it no matter what, like Veloce did, that's off to them. But then, you know, like when the promoters start seeing and they're like, oh, let's understand. And that's when the lag starts to happen. So I feel that the once all the sport were canceled, we saw companies again like Veloce that did it right there, and then everybody start questioning, okay, how we'll do it right, and then when it start to be longer and longer because everybody wants to understand, and then not being in there, you know, and be thrown at them, you know, they just don't get it as quickly as the gaming community. And this is all a bigger topic of um, the blur that I see between traditional sports and esports. And how they're they're really I know a lot of people like to separate it out. Uh, and quite frankly, I'll be I'll be I'll be very honest. I, I'm kind of tired of saying traditional sports and esports. I have to <laughs> I have to tilt my head to one side and the other. Like I'd right. rather just say sport and right. just be over with it. But you have to do it because it's just because it's context and stuff like that, right? But I'm done with the head bobbing and I just want to say sport and then we're over. Yeah. But you know, we'll get there, right? Um, one day, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but but the blur that's happening between the two, again, I know we've already talked about it a little bit, but I mean, the iRacing access for those that otherwise wouldn't have it, mm -hmm. it's been more about, it's more about culture because you yes. just, you know, if you have a PC, you just turn the PC on, go into iRacing, you're racing. And so I guess just your take on the blur between that and then maybe what it feels like for, cause you've been on both sides of it yeah. and you're, you're seeing them kind of come together. Mm -hmm. So I know your thoughts. I think like from the sport world, it is something new. You know, like so, like the uh, decision makers in 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 each sport, they are seeing this. You know, and the pande pandemic is actually you know putting this and highlighting this even more. But they are so attached to their ways of doing things that they're still, like I was saying, not sure on what to do. So they are in a in a position where they feel like, oh, mine is the real sport. And the digital one, how can somebody be called an athlete, you know, if it is sitting at home, you know, playing a game? But I feel that that's not the point. It doesn't have to be distinguished by the physical capability of a, an athlete that play a sport and an athlete that uh, play the sport online. I think we should all look at this as opportunity and a big industry where it can be pulled from, from each other. Because I do feel, and I put an article out, about this on uh, on uh, our blog in the website that uh, the professional gamers they are putting in as much effort you know to be be at that level as a real athlete it's just it doesn't have the physical impact meaning like uh, you are not out and maybe you know run uh, 20 miles and then bike uh, eight miles and whatever and go to the swimming pool and practice your sport, you are just on the couch. But the mental strength that you have to have and the focus that you have to have to be able to be coordinating and at that top level, it's nothing less than what a real athlete is doing. It's just different, you know? So that's why I see, you know, like that, like you're saying, it, they are sports. You know, they are just a different application of them. But the sport war, I guess if you don't see, you know, the sweat and tears, as hard time understanding, you know, how a gamer can be considered an athlete. It would be mer merging, especially when uh, 
there is more and more opportunity for business to like make money, you know. So if a, the sport industry see this an opportunity to make money and the other way around, you know, I think the barrier is going to come down and everybody's going to be, let's be inclusive and we are all here for the same goal. I, and I think that makes that makes a lot of sense because in, in some of the numbers we talk about a lot, you know, the gaming industry is 160 billion roughly, let's say, in mm -hmm. esports. Esports is apparently one billion, but quite frankly, no one really knows that either. Yeah. So you know, so say it's one billion. I mean, it's it's tiny. And then coming from like the finance space, that just people just stomp on one billion. Like that's mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah. You know, no offense to the esports space, obviously, but it, it's it's very it's so tiny and and small that you're like you're saying it, there's thresholds and there's points where. It, the attention uh, mm -hmm. it just is going to get more and more over over time, and yep. and, and you know it brings in partners, sponsors, and things like that. And, and you see the you see you know with BMW their announcement last mm -hmm. week and things like yes. that, and, and they've really jumped in the deep end. Now they've been involved since 2017, kind of like dipping their toes in the water, but they really you know they now they're partnered with five five uh, five top teams. So yes, um, so it's just that that whole conversation is really cool to see and just see how how that's uh, how that's going to play out. Um, but, but we have, we have to build the infrastructure. Like you said, you yeah. have to build it. You have to build the structure, um, mm -hmm. because it is obviously this, and, and maybe get your take on this too. The industry is volatile, um, having, having, having yourself, it, it is volatile. How do you, as a, as a business, I mean, you're running this as a business, talk yeah. a little bit, talk a little bit about the business side of it. What are the components of running an esports org? Um, and kind of break that down a little bit, because I think there's a lot of jaded info out there about what it's about. Uh, and there's been obviously a lot of, uh, you know, quite frankly, a lot of consolidation, a lot of teams are, are yes. having, they're not going to make it. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of teams are burning a lot of cash very quick. And the only way they're going to survive is if another VC comes in and props them up again. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm sorry I have to say it like that, but they're, that's the only way they're going to make it because a lot of, a lot aren't profitable. So I guess, mm -hmm. I, sorry about all that dissertation, but I mean, taking your experience on that, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I do think that uh, the one of the main thing to to keep in consideration is the fact that the esport and how the business model of esport has been up until before the pandemic was based on live events. So you know, like you do the online qualifying or whatever tournaments, and then there is the big live event where the teams can go there and utilize that platform and therefore bringing sponsor in and whatnot. Now that is gone you know, for the moment. So I think uh, we live in a, in a world, in a society that stuff can happen as we are being put to test right now like that. So it has, we need to change quickly. So right now the opportunity are online. So the, the way that I see is like, okay, we have this, we cannot do live events. So what can we do with the online platform? And remember that the, the millennial especially, they are all on streaming, they are all on the computer. So it's a huge opportunity. And this is why all of these companies like BMW and whatnot, they are starting to get involved because they're trying to capture that audience that is on stream and is on the computer all the time. So I think we just have to be a little bit quicker in moving and shifting because the world has been telling us that things are happening and only the ones that they will be able to see a little bit further, you know, will be able to survive. So my suggestion is also like all of this team that have their business model on the live event, they have to kind of rethink their old, old situation and try to see how they can be profitable by doing something that is um, online only. I mean, again, we are living in, in a society 
aside from instant gratification, I do believe in micro purchases. You know, like it's very easy for somebody to be at home and uh, um, buy something, you know, through a video game, through a streaming, um, right there on the spot. And if it's something that is one to ten dollars, it's easy to digest, even in this economy. So, you know, like we just have to put all of this new way of living, a new way of thinking, you know, into place to be able to survive. So, overall, I think that uh, that's the only way that uh, everything is going to evolve, you know, in, in, in a good way. I, am and, I making sense? Yes. No, no, it does. Yeah. And then my, my brother is a smash melee player. Uh, uh-huh. He's been a, a smash melee player for years and, and net play is their online tournaments essentially. Uh-huh. Uh, and no one really did a whole lot of net play before it was kind of going, again, going back to uh, connection integrity lag and things like that. And, uh, but boy, they're playing them now. I mean, they're, they're I mean, these tournaments are popping up everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. these net play tournaments because because that's the only thing left exactly. uh, and, and that's exactly what my brother said it's like well, what else am i going to do i have to do these online tournaments to you know to to compete to stay and and, and, and some people just don't get it but like mm-hmm. if you're not if you're not competing and you're not practicing you're not getting better so yeah, if, exactly. I mean, and he's in that top 50 range in the world like he's uh-huh. pressing and beating some top 50 so he's right there and he's a partnered streamer on twitch and things like that but he's really pushing because he wants to be that top 25 top 15 yep. top 10 so the, the competitors are going to go to compete mm-hmm. and wherever that is. So like just, yes. his, just, just his example, he's online, he's playing these, he's, he just registered for four tournaments. I think like yesterday See? on Twitter. <laughs> so, you know, so they're going to go to that and that goes back to structure and the right. tech and the tech. Look, there's a ways to go on these online platforms, obvi- mm-hmm. obviously, but so that's, it's just going to get better. That's my point. And, and that's yes. why I, I and I'm, I'm very involved in the tech side of mm-hmm. esports and gaming, very much mm-hmm. involved because the teams. I, if you don't have the the tech infrastructure Correct. for the for the teams, mm-hmm. the teams are capped. Yes, I think the upside in esports is capped, and mm-hmm. I think there's a lot. And look, I, I get on my dissertation, but there's a lot of slosh and a lot of money being thrown around stuff like that. And like you said, people don't even. It's a lot of unknowns. It's very it's right. very very volatile. But what isn't unknown is if you have tech infrastructure, mm-hmm. because it's a, it's a real it's a, it's an asset. That you're providing, you're Absolutely. providing that platform mm-hmm. that you know, like this platform allows these competitors to compete mm-hmm. in an integrity, you know, integrity and things like that. So that, that's just how my mindset is with it. And I think it's it's very important. It's not talked about enough. The teams are very important, but the infrastructure, you could yeah, argue, is just as important. Absolutely. I believe that, you know, 100%. It's almost like uh, the gaming community needs to become a business all through, <laughs> you know, like so. If it the the people in the gaming community and the players and who is getting involved right now starting to see this really as as a, a business, then you know, like infrastructure are coming together more and more because you're treating this. Okay, how I grow this? What is the projection? You know, like uh, what is the business model? You know, like and, and put it all together. And since this is kind of like exploded, you know, in 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 the last few years. You know, there is everybody tried to come in and a lot of them, they do not have business background. So that's the disconnection in a way. But the technical side, absolutely, we are focusing on that a lot because if you can make an infrastructure that work, then even other can duplicate it. But we know that that's the way that works. And then you can create from there, you know, the way to make, you know, like the business grow and then take care of the athletes, the gamers. 
and take care of a you know sponsor and you know create a system that is uh, sustainable and that can bring also possibility for uh, really you know like making money for everybody and not just the elite that and also so it's funny um sponsors partnerships so i think you know i think years years ago it was a lot of oh you know as a sponsor you're throwing money at something and okay, we yeah. might get we might get something we might get an yeah. ROI maybe we don't know. But now I think the the conversation has shifted to partnerships. Yeah, more so. And I know it's just a word. I get it, but they're really involved with building the entire community up mm-hmm. as that partner. It's not just throwing money at it and saying, okay, I'm gonna get it. I hope I get a two and a half. You know, hope we get two and a half x in three yeah. years. Like it's not that. It's we want to partner with these teams and build them up because that's exactly yes. what that's what BMW said. Exactly. That's, so that's you're getting more of that, and that's just going to help create a higher floor. So. Yeah, I believe. Like they, I, I mean, if you put the two minds together, you're going to get more than just one. So partnerships is pretty much that. You know, like experience from one side, experience from the other side. They coming together, they can grow the product in, in at the same time as one. So partnerships are incredibly important. Exactly, like you said, the companies are not interested anymore, but in everything, you know, not just uh, in esports, just to toss money out there and hope for an ROI. Okay, it's not really that simple, but, you know, let's just go in with that. But um, they're much more involved in creating something that works and have a foot in the door and and a voice at the table to make this something that's beneficial for all the parties involved. Hey, so real quick, a couple shout outs. Uh, thanks for jumping in the chat, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, VJ, uh, Rohini, Thirsty Minds. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, your message real quick. So what's your message to uh, female gamers that are out there that are looking to break out in the space? And it doesn't have to be a motocross, but just in general. What, what's, I guess, your overall message to them? Um, well, for us, like I said, you know, like we are uh, three women, three founders that uh, have done this in the sport industry. So we want to be an, an, an uh, opportunity for girls to grow because we have done it, you know, so we know how it is to grow into a, an industry that is uh, considered male dominated. So the message is that if you're interested in learning how to become a professional player, what it will take for all of that, you know, like uh, just reach out and mm-hmm. we are here to help. And again, we are going to make a team, you know, like we have, we are not there yet. Um, we're still discussing the business model to make this effective, mm-hmm. but you know, like um, just reach out, you know, we are here to, to help. What's the best way for them to connect with you on social? Um, well, on social through the, uh, of course, we have Instagram and, and Facebook at Init Esport. Also, our own website that is initesport.com and uh, LinkedIn as well. That's also how we connected, Chris, you and I. Uh, that is my own uh, or uh, my partners, but also we have an Init Esport page. So we are also on Twitter. Um, we are on Discord, you know, so, you know, a lot, a lot of different ways to, to get connected with us. Just look it up. Google is the magic one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google the magic information to find yeah. for sure. Uh, no, I, I love I love the message. I love what you guys are doing. Um, it's gonna be cool to see. Again, you just started just a little under a year ago. So yes, the, yes. The, the, you know the runway, um, uh, the mission, and pu- putting all of it together. I, th- I think it's 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 really it's really interesting, and yeah. it's it's something that something that's that's needed. Um, it's th- this this conversation has a lot of different layers to it. Uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to 
again, women in gaming, but women in esports. Right. Correct. And, and how and how I mean, those are actually those are actually kind of two different conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but then ha- how that what, what what that inclusivity looks like and some of those conversations. So I appreciate that you know you jumping in and giving your insight uh, from yeah, you know, coming you. from both backgrounds in sports and um, being able to give you know your experience. So I do appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, th- yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, so we're up against the clock. Uh, so make sure to get in contact uh, with Steffi Ba and, uh, from Init Esports. Um, again, just uh, across all platforms. So you do have a Discord as well, you mentioned? Yes, yes, okay. we are uh, We are on Discord as well. Okay, very cool. And um, again, thanks for being on here. I uh, appreciate you guys, what you guys are doing. And we'll be clipping this up and making some clips of it. So hopefully uh, you guys will be seeing a l- little more of this and going from there. So Steffi, I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and looking forward to, you know, learn from the industry and uh, bring our contribution in it. Thank you guys for being here. Appreciate it. See you Bye-bye. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Just want to thank everyone who has done a five-star rating or review. If you enjoy the content, this is a way to get the word out about the level up experience and i really do appreciate it a couple things if you want to get connected uh, outside of the podcast um, we do a live stream on youtube and linkedin so just search level up experience on youtube uh, to be a part of the live stream there we also do linkedin live as mentioned search my name chris reed c-r-i-s-r-e-e-d to get notifications on either platform thank you all for all the support and we'll see you on the next episode